Are you good with people? Maybe you're organized or have a knack for numbers. Well, then chances are you've got skills that could lead to a new career. A Google Career Certificate can help you get a foot in the door with top employers in fast-growing fields like IT support, project management, data analytics, and user experience design. It's professional-level training developed and taught by Google employees. And it's all online so you can learn around your schedule. Put your skills to work. Go to grow.google slash certificates. Faster my crazy day, my packed commute, all those unread emails in my inbox. But I'm getting stronger, faster, and pushing myself further every day. I don't care if I'm not like everyone else. This punching bag is the best way to end my day. <laughs> Fearless is knowing yoga isn't your style. That's the power of the Blue Cross and Blue Shield Federal Employee Program. Learn more about our healthy benefits at fepblue.org slash get more. Westwood One presents The Polsters. The Polsters. And now, Margie and Kristen. Hi, and welcome to The Pollsters. I'm Margie O'Mara, Democratic pollster with PSB Research. And I'm Kristen Soltis-Anderson, Republican pollster with Echelon Insights. And each week we bring you the polls driving the latest news in politics, tech, and pop culture. So this weekend we did something, Kristen and I, that we don't always do, which is hang out together over the weekend. I had It was so fun. It was. You were a good sport. I had a joint birthday party for my son, who turned two, and my dad, who turned 91, and... You know, neither of them were really excited about sharing their birthday with each other. Like, <laughs> like Beckett, my son is a very, he, you know, he never gets annoyed with anybody. He's very warm and kind. He doesn't, you know, none of my dad's mercurial grandpa behaviors bother him. You know, Beckett's not really aware when my dad almost floods the house or, Almost sets things on fire. Those things don't bother Beckett so much. So he's always, you know, happy to see grandpa, but not so much when we're talking about who was, whose birthday it was. And same thing for my dad, who was a little unsure why we had to share a birthday party when the candles came and the cake came. There was a little bit of a turf war, a little bit of a turf war. Um, but the party was definitely more toward the two year old than toward the 91 year old. You mean Gus didn't want to go down the slip and slide? No, Gus is it not. It was an awesome <laughs> slip and slide, let's just say. For we've, the you, we've, we've gone through quite a few slip and slides. Like there's different kinds of slip and slide technology. And so this is the one that there was remains. Also bubble machine. Bubble technology. machine. You've got like this whole paradise. For, for the a t- outdoor kids summer situation. Yeah. It's like it was Shangri-La. Good. It was good. It was pretty fun. Well, it was Kristen was a good sport and lots of people were coming up after me like, I want to ask Kristen about Donald Trump. I'm like, please don't. <laughs> <laughs> to everyone at the party who did not ask me about Donald Trump, thank you from the like, bottom of my heart. I like, just listened to the show. Like, you know. <laughs> that was pretty funny. Um, and the even neighbor, Dave, David Korn, was there. And somebody came up to me. And they're like, was that David Korn? I was really nervous. I'm like, you should go up to him. David Korn is not like, don't talk to me. I'm David Korn. <laughs> David Korn's like, yes, it's me. I'm David Korn. Come talk to me. <laughs> so. So that was um, – but he also did not go down the slip and slide or blow any bubbles. But it was still a good time. It was had by all. So that's what we did. And thinking about loving children and doing things for your children and how universal that may be, that brings us to our newly relevant song. What are the <laughs> –
This should be our theme song, Margie. We I know, sh- we right? We share the same biology, even right. with different... Kristen did not remember this dusty old gym. <laughs> I'm like reading the lyrics online to figure out where we're supposed to like come in for the show, and I'm like, wait a minute. It was such a massive hit that did wait, not age well, but until it's until in fact it does age well, and here we are. So, Kristen, what are the top lines this week? Uh, top lines this week. We have the president who is uh, in hot water yet again, and yet his poll numbers have not moved in this week in Trump. We find that Trump loves his children and Trump's voters still kind of love Trump. But who do they not love and what do voters not love that the president is doing? Then lots of people have fond memories of college, but conservatives are less and less positive about colleges these days. We'll take a look at some fresh data about how people on both sides of the aisle view a variety of big institutions. And then we'll wrap up with some stuff on tipping. Who tips better? Who thinks they tip better and who actually tips better? Not yes. always being the same thing necessarily. Right. And, but first, the poll of the week, New Jersey, as a New Jerseyite, New Jerseyan, Myself, I'm always interested in these and I'm always interested in sort of like the New Jersey kind of caricature and that's not really all of New Jersey. That's like a northern Jersey thing like central and southern Jersey are not like that sort of Chris Christie, Donald Trump like bombastic thing. But that is the person, you know, that is what people think of when they think of New Jersey. But now people when they think of New Jersey can think about this poll that was pretty popular um, from the folks at Monmouth where they asked people to describe um, <laughs> they describe Chris Christie and his visit to the beach over the holiday to a closed beach during a government shutdown. And 6% used just some sort of profanity in order to express in their open end <laughs> how they felt about that. <laughs> open ends are the gift that keeps on giving in the polling world. <laughs> right? It's kind of like when we did like what animal or car would Trump be, right? I and mean, there's always something kind of fun, fun there. There. Um, but people use things like anger, disbelief, selfish, hypocrite, arrogant. Um, but, you know, and just and hardly any said that something positive about it. And it's always interesting to me to see who voters blame when a shutdown happens. So you know, we had the big government shutdown here in D.C. You had Obama versus Boehner. Who's at fault? I think polls back then tended to show people thought it was Congress's fault. Didn't really hurt Republicans at the polls in the 2014 elections. But Nonetheless, you do always have this question. And here uh, it seems as though 54 percent blame Christie and the legislature equally for the government shutdown that f- caused the governor to have all of the state parks shut down. 28 percent put more blame on Christie. 14 percent put more blame on the legislature. One assumes those 14 percent are also uh, in line with the 15 percent who approve of the job he is doing, which is a pretty horrendous Number. And I guess it serves like it's as like a, someone dared him. How how right. low can an approval rate right. go in these polarized times? And I mean, and I guess he was thinking. I didn't, you know, the beach thing. He was probably thinking, like, I mean, what you know, what is going to happen to me at this point? <laughs> like, like I'm, you know, it really things can't get much worse. So I might as well go to the beach and not have anybody like you know busting my chops wherever I go. Right? It's been I'm very memeable. I, my favorite was somebody took a Where's Waldo beach scene and like put a little Christie <laughs> thing in it, and so you have to like Where's Christie yeah. in the big. Where's Waldo's? Yeah, name? no, it is very memeable. I mean, obviously, you I was in known that that would happen. I was at the Jersey Shore for the Fourth of July, and it was an open beach. It was not a state park um, for my cousin's wedding, but on the drive home, all of the big signs on the road that tell you the like 
Amber Alert or traffic information or whatever, they all said, like, all state parks closed, all beaches closed. I mean, it was yes. like. Yeah. No, that's, um, that's you know, don't mess with the beaches. I mean, that's, you know, that's there's so much beach. It's close. Wherever you are in New Jersey, you can get to a beach pretty quickly. So and that's he, pretty he also, pathetic. He, doesn't he occasionally co-host some uh, sports radio? Right. And he got into a fight with a listener. Which I, I read that story and I was talking to my husband. I was like. Did you hear these things that Chris Christie said to somebody? And he was like, Kristen, have you ever listened to sports radio? Like, that's that's like a Tuesday. And what like, about that's like, totally normal. I'm like, is it though? Okay. I, I guess, right? And I guess, I guess it's so funny. Like, and now we're kind of digressing a little bit, but like that these politicians like desperately want to be like shock jocks and like shock jocks de- desperately want to be politicians. Like, there's always this like, I mean, he's not the first sort of like, uh, occasionally go on radio kind of politician, you know, Bob Erlett, right? And Giuliani. I mean, what about the time when Giuliani like yelled at like a ferret, the ferret owner? Have you heard this clip? What? <laughs> everyone oh, go, everyone go listen. It was a really great, um, this American Life episode, but it's, it's a good thing where somebody's like, hey, Rudy, I got ferrets and you're not nice to the ferret population. And Rudy's like, hey, <laughs> get a life. Anyway, it's, uh, it is, it is very enjoyable. My team Rudy in that story or my team ferret guy? It's, 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 <laughs> it's not totally clear. It's, it's, ever, nobody really wins, not, not even the ferret. So anyway, the point, I, one point of this enjoyable little digression is that, you know, people are constantly asking, like, well, what? Can, how low can Trump's numbers go? Like, what's going to happen? What's going to be the final straw? And you know, how bad is bad? Is you know, his numbers are pretty bad, right? For if like a for a new president. But then you look at some of these numbers for Blagojevich, which is, you know, the Mammoth com- story compares to, um, or for Christie, and they're like, oh, well, I guess they can, I guess they can get a little it bit worse. It can always get worse. There is still some numbers on the other, uh, toward the end of the dial. Anyway, that's our enjoyable poll of the week. Well, let's talk a little bit about this week in Trump. As usual, lots have ha- has happened in this week in Trump. We have uh, president's job approval, according to Huffington Post pollster, is at 40.8% as of press time, which is about where it has been for most of the time that he has been in office. Certainly, it's about where it has been uh, since the summer began, since around Memorial Day. And you know, the big story this week, of course, in Washington, everybody's talking about Russia and the new emails that Donald Trump Jr. Uh, released right as the New York Times was breaking the story that, yes, indeed, he had met with somebody who he knew to be a Russian government attorney, I mean, official, officially related to the Russian government uh, with the intent of getting information that would have been damaging to the Clinton campaign, which is Exactly what they have been denying for a long time. But we have had some Donald Trump job approval. If this story is what you numbers. say, Kristen, then I love it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, no, I don't love it. I hate it. What is happening here? Like, how much more info do we need, people? Come on. Like, it's just I can't even – like, it just – I want to start smashing things. And, but his his numbers haven't moved. There are There have been some job approval numbers that have been added into these averages – that have come out since. So the story kind of began to break on Sunday. Um, the so the email, polls don't fully polls reflect don't fully it. fully reflect it, but it has not. I mean, bear in mind that we have talked on the show time and time and time again, and we will talk about it today too, that for people that like Donald Trump, the, the media sources that are reporting on this, Donald Trump has effectively positioned himself as, I am more trustworthy than them. 
they are trying to come after me, when they say bad things about me, it's not true. And you shouldn't believe them. You should believe me. And so he's created this like no lose scenario with his own voters around anything that is primarily affecting them uh, indirectly, right? So I think the only way Donald Trump loses more support is if all of a sudden a bunch of his supporters lose health care or a bunch of his supporters face a horrible economy or something like that. But I think all of these stories, as long as it's something that is reported in the media and is genuinely distressing, but like my life is not different because those emails existed. And it's in a some way confusing it's, legal. And it's confusing legal. Well, is it collusion? Well, like, collusion is not even like a legal term. And is it treason? Well, no, it's not treason it's by any stretch of the legal definition. So like, well, well, then what is it? Well, if it was legal, why are we talking about it? And so that's why I, th- I think, despite the fact that we talk about this story all the time and that it is a huge deal and that this new evidence is so damning, I don't think it moves his numbers. I'm saying it right now. We're going to do this show next week, and those approval numbers will not be terribly different. Yeah. And now that I've said that, I will be wrong. I mean, <laughs> now that I've like put my my planted my flag in the ground. No, I mean, I, I, you know, it's. I I mean, the other thing though to to is that it's very difficult for anything else to happen, for any other news to happen. I mean, we're barely hearing about what's going on with healthcare. That's how dominating all this other stuff is. And I think it's fair to question if that is an appropriate distribution of the media's attention and coverage. Like, I think that's fair. Healthcare is not a nothing burger story. Right. And so by saying, I think that we should have less attention on the Russia story and more attention on healthcare, that's not me saying that Russia is not important. It's saying you kind of get where voters are coming from, especially Trump supporter voters, if they look in the media and they don't trust them because they say, you're so focused on the story that doesn't affect me. Healthcare affects me. Can yeah. we talk about that a little more, please? And, and like, I think that's it, it also depends on the outlet too. Like somebody did a you know mashup of where um, local newspaper, what local newspapers were covering, especially when members were going home, and a lot of local newspapers had over the holiday, you know, above the fold, what what healthcare means for you kinds of stories that is a little bit different than what cable news will be talking about because that's national, yeah. so it's just whatever you know. So, but cable news will talk about other cable news kinds of. Mm-hmm. Um, stories and that as opposed to some of that more local stuff. So there's a little bit of all that. Um, now, there is some new polling, and this, I believe, comes from – this is is this Politico yeah. Morning Consult yeah. where they tested, uh, do you find each of the following sources very credible, somewhat credible, not too credible, or not credible at all? And this begins to solve a little bit of the problem that we've talked about before with questions when people ask a, in a poll, do you trust the media Is the media out to get Donald Trump? Who would you trust more, Trump or the media? Well, the media is a lot of different things. Sean Hannity is technically the media. Right. As is Rachel Maddow. Right. As is your local, you know, ABC, NBC affiliate, you know, evening news anchor. They're all the media. I'm the media. You're the media. We're all the media. Right. Uh, I – Hopefully you trust the pollsters yes. more than some of those other people that I just named. And so in this poll, they said, who, you know, do you find these sources very credible, somewhat credible, not too credible? The White House is only viewed as credible by 52 percent of Americans. Uh, only 21 percent say very credible. So there's some doubt there. Uh, Donald Trump is viewed as credible by 46 percent of Americans. So this is these are not zero numbers. No. But they are not numbers that are as good as many other news sources. So take, for example, uh, the ABC. 
take ABC where I'm a contributor. Uh, there we wind up with uh, 62% saying that they find ABC News to be credible. When it comes to NBC News, it's 61%. When it's uh, CBS News, it's again 62%. Uh, PBS is viewed as credible by uh, 63%. So you have a lot of these quote-unquote news sources that Donald Trump goes after um, that have better trust ratings than he does. But he his goal has never been to have – 100% of people agreeing with him. No. He just keeps his supporters. And yes. He's got them. Yeah. And it, it, but it still makes me sad that it, the percent saying they find any of these very credible, right? I mean, the very, if you look at the intensity, there's no institution here that breaks 30% very credible. So there is real, there's a real fracturing here. Um, but I, I don't think that that's unfair. I mean, like, I, I'm I'm not a, like, a conspiracy theorist who thinks that, like, the media is out to get us. But I might have a hard time saying very to a lot of these sources that are considered pretty credible. Mm-hmm. But where, you know, even in just the last couple of weeks, they've either had to retract stories or – and so it's not a – it's not saying they're a bad news source. It's saying that humans are fallible and so – there you go. Like I think there are different ways to interpret that question as a respondent. Fair enough. And Gallup has something similar – well, not similar, but a media-related question that just came out. Um, and it shows – and this goes to this point that people expect the polls to be kind of rollicking and volatile the way that this national coverage of Trump is. And, and it just isn't. Like the, the polling is ultimately more stable. If you look at Trump's approval ratings, they are incredibly stable, almost as if nothing was happening at all. Um, and so Gallup asked this question, you know, do you feel that the coverage of Trump and his administration, do you think the news media have been too tough about right or not tough enough? And they asked it recently and in March and in January, the numbers aren't really that different. You have 35% now saying that the media is too tough, 28% say about right, 34% say not tough enough. I mean, that's almost a three-way tie, basically. Mm-hmm. It's not really that different from March. It's not really that different from January. I'm not going to bore you by reading the numbers, but we're talking about a couple points here and there. Yeah. And it's, I think if you are a media organization, the best thing you can do is just keep doing your job and doing it well. And you've seen a handful of different entities try to figure out, okay, do we bring in more folks from the right? If we're CNN, do we hire people that are, you know, basically just carrying water for the Trump administration? Like, they will defend him even if he does shoot someone on Fifth Avenue. I mean, it's been interesting to watch different media organizations try to grapple with this dynamic where, yes, you're going to have about a third of people that are like, crack down on him even harder. Let's, you know, nail him to the wall. And another half that are like, you're going too far. This is too much. Um, because if if you are a media organization that is a business, you got to make money. you got to have eyeballs. you got to have listeners. You don't have to have everybody but how do you strike a balance so that you maintain credibility? Right. And also have the perspective of, you know, uh, a pretty big chunk of the population reflected. Mm-hmm. And if there's a big chunk of the population that is sticking with Trump through thick and thin, then those folks, you know, by, you know, it, you arguably should have representative representation on on some of these news outlets. So um, so then turning to Congress and, you know, sort of uh, and legislation and, and what people are are seeing and hearing here, um, 
Morning Consult and Politico had a, a variety of, you know, there's also the big healthcare thing. I mean, there's lots of stuff actually going on, right? And so Morning and we just talked about how, oh, everybody's so focused on Trump, Trump, Trump that we don't talk about the issues. Right. So we're going to talk about the issues. Just just for just for a moment. Right? <laughs> so what's interesting is so th- this is a common type of question and lots of different outlets ask a question like this. Who do you trust more on this issue? The, you know, Democrats in Congress or Republicans in Congress on the economy, jobs, immigration, national security, et cetera, et cetera. Um, healthcare, blah, blah, blah. And, it, you know, Pew asks it, you know, I've seen Gallup, do, you know, people will do it internally. And it doesn't really get at like policy nuance, but it does get a sense of sort of how people are viewing the parties and what the different party strengths and weaknesses are, even if these things kind of move or move in concert, right? Um, if Democrats are doing well, or if Republicans are doing well, are doing well, all these ratings are going to improve kind of similarly. Nonetheless, I think what this is a good reminder and I think it's worth talking because there's so much talk about like how Republicans are in disarray and Trump's bringing everyone down. On some issues, Democrats have the advantage and some issues, Republicans have the advantage. Like it's, you know, it is it is fairly down the middle here. I mean, Republicans have the advantage, according to this poll, um, on the economy, on jobs, on immigration, on national security. Democrats have the advantage on health care, the environment energy and education. Um, so, you know, this is not a surprising divide on issues. I think the healthcare thing is, is an energy, I think are interesting points there. Um, but it is, it does show that when it comes to voters, like that, you know, they, they want to kind of have this sort of quote unquote normal conversation about where the different parties are on some of these issues, even if we're not all having that, not much can get done. I think the healthcare number is interesting and correct me if, if I'm wrong on this, but I believe if you go back and look at polling, like 15, 10, 10, 15 years ago, the Democrats enjoyed a really sizable lead on the health care issue. And that after the passage of the ACA, Republicans began to eat into that lead. But that has now shifted in the same way yeah. that we see polling. Polling was not great around the ACA until this year. All of a sudden now it's back in net positive territory. Yeah. And, it, you know, when it comes to ACA and there was a, this is also from the same morning consult Politico poll, um, they asked, do you think Republicans in Congress should continue with efforts to repeal and replace or move on to other issues? And if you look at the overall numbers, almost half, 47 percent say move on, 40 percent say continue with efforts to repeal and replace 13% say don't know. If you look at it by party, you have about two thirds of Republicans say Republicans should continue, um, which you can look at as half glass full or half empty, I guess, if you're Republicans. I mean, that's not an overwhelming number for something Republicans are so focused on and mm-hmm. seeing as like, this is the number one thing they need to do. That's not an overwhelming number within your own party, let alone what other people think. On the other hand, there it does show that there is some support there, which leads to the, you know, to the toughness around this issue. Well, and there's also, of course, this thing that keeps coming up, which is the difference in people's attitudes toward Republicans in Congress versus Trump. So sometimes if you have a president and Congress of the same party, they're working hand in hand. The president's numbers are reflected in how people feel about their member. You know, oh, Trump's job approval. If it's really bad, then Republicans in Congress will struggle. Interestingly, Trump is so 
weird and unique that there are people that differentiate between the two of them. That doesn't always work out well for congressional Republicans, at least especially within the right. Um, so Morning Consult also did this really extensive battery of fave unfaves of a whole host of people. Uh, we talked before about how both uh, Speaker Ryan and uh, former Speaker Nancy Pelosi do not have great numbers. The other sides have successfully demonized them both. Their, their numbers are not great. McConnell, his favorables are even worse than Paul Ryan's right now. Favorable 27, unfave 41. Donald Trump in this poll, his fave unfave is only a net negative of three. He's got 46% favorable, 49% unfavorable. He's got one out of every five, or pardon me, one out of every four people has a very favorable view of him. Yeah. Those are your folks that aren't going anywhere. That's why he's never going to end up in Christie territory, knock on wood, unless we're like in a nuclear war. And even then... He can claim it wasn't his fault. It was somebody else's fault. Or it's Ugh. fake news. There's not actually a nuclear attack happening. All right. Those are, that's I'm all sorry. too upsetting I, to think but, about. But, but they also have – so the only people in this poll that had net positive favorables – and again, this is a poll where they tested Sean Spicer, Steve Bannon, Kellyanne Conway, Hope Jim Hicks. Comey, Hope Hicks. Like all these people got tested in this poll. The only people with net positive favorables, Mike Pence, Melania Trump, Ivanka Trump. That's it. That's it. Everybody else is net negatives. I mean, there are some people who are not very well known who are almost even fave unfave. Like Gary Cohn. Uh, yeah. So sometimes like, uh, that so sometimes that'll happen if Hope it's picks, that's basically even. And sometimes that's people guessing or it's just people like who are like super, super engaged on both sides and that turns out to even. Um it doesn't really reflect you know, I wouldn't say like that means that they are either, you know, they're vulnerable or strong in terms of their favorabilities. It just reflects the fact that they're not very well known. But it is, I mean, again, this is kind of a half glass full or ha- half empty. It's interesting, you know, I mean, I guess I'm surprised that these people have, a, you know, some of these people have the hard ID that they do, you know, that only 40% of Americans don't know who Steve Bannon is. Like, to me, that actually seems low. Like, I'm surprised it's not more because I, I, I always assume that, you know, few people are following, you know, all this sort of back and forth that goes on here. Um, maybe other people would feel differently. They, they would be surprised that it, that it's that high. I don't, I don't know. Um, but it was interesting. What I think is also interesting is how many people are being tested? How many insiders are worthwhile putting in this, on this list? I did a panel last night with Mike McCurry, who was, um, the press secretary at the White House uh, under Clinton. And I talked about this. I said, did you ever have your favorabilities tested in a poll? And he was like, what? No. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he's like, I was never on camera enough that, you know, anybody would ever ask my favorabilities. I'm like, well, you know, it's not, it's not like any of these people, you know, a lot of these people haven't been on camera very much either. But we're, there's so much news and coverage that it's, you know, interesting to ask about, you know, Hope Hicks and, and so on. Um, so anyway, so it's, it's definitely uh, an interesting phenomenon. And yet there are still people that you would add to this list that are not on here. You Sarah know? Huckabee Sanders is not on that list. Right, exactly. Although we have seen polling on her. Um, right? You haven't seen, you know, Donald, Donald Jr. Don Don. He's not, you know, he's not on this list. Yep. So um, so anyway, th- th- I'm sure this list will be expanded and revised as things and move Devin on. Devin Nunes is tested in this poll, which seems kind of odd. Right. Maybe maybe ditch him for the next round. Yeah. No offense, Congressman, but I would ditch him for the next round. Yeah. Let's cut Nunez. So, yeah, our suggested edits to the survey would be cut Nunez, add Don Don. I think that makes sense. Yeah. Doesn't so, change the length of your survey. 
good news hook. Anyway, so let's let's move out of the week in Trump and into a big uh, release that came from Pew this week that got a lot of attention. Um, it's polling on what people think about various institutions, churches and religious organizations, labor unions, banks, the national news media, colleges and universities, and whether or not they have a positive effect on the way things are going in the country. So the transition out of our last topic is that of those five institutions that I just named, the national news media is considered to have a negative effect on the way things are going in the country. 63% say the national news media negative impact. Only 28% say it has a positive impact. A major- the, the most controversial number, the one that I saw getting the most attention, was around Republican views on colleges and universities. So the majority of the public says colleges have a positive impact on the country, 55%. Those are not great numbers, uh, but 55% is still positive. Uh, I've done a lot of work back in the day on the topic of how people think about colleges and universities. And for a long time, people thought they were positive. You'd hear, okay, they're they're liberal. They're too expensive. Why does it cost so much for my kid to go there? They're always tearing up sidewalks and rebuilding them. This seems like a waste. Textbooks are so expensive. You know, people would have their list of gripes, but ultimately would say, it's good to go to college. It's good value. It helps you in life. Colleges do good things. A lot of that belief is eroding, and I think especially eroding on the left, or so, probably on the right. So, so people, yeah, people were going pretty bonkers over this number. Um, and I guess, I guess there are a couple things, right? One is how, and this is also a very recent change too. This is something that like literally just happened. If you look at the tracking on this among Republicans, mm-hmm. those lines between positive and negative impact just crossed and switched places. You know. Between 2016 and 2017, that just happened. Now, the question is, how much of this is due to, um, you know, free speech on campus, like those kinds of, you know, that that very big news story that is, I think, you know, is a legitimate conversation to have, but still, ultimately, I would I would argue a small piece of what colleges do and the impact they have on on society, but perhaps not a small piece of the national dialogue we've had about colleges and universities over the last year or two. The like, you know, are folks on the right accepted as speakers on at liberal campuses or do liberal folks then, you know, have protests and say, you know, they're against free speech because that they need trigger warning, that whole conversation, right? How much of this poll number reflects that debate and how much of it reflects like something else, which this question did not ask, which is, do you feel like there's a value for you to get a, you know, a college education, which I've seen polling on. And there are real concerns across various demographic groups about that, whether just the, the cost makes it worthwhile given the, you know, the, the loans and so on. So I don't know how much of this poll number reflects the former the cultural conversation and how much of it reflects this, like, do I actually really need it? Yeah, and I, I think you can argue that there's probably a bit of both going on. I mean, think about the types of voters that Donald Trump did shockingly well with, folks that don't have a college degree. And some of them may be looking at colleges and universities and saying, they do good things and I wish I could have gone there. But there may be others that look at it and say, all they're doing is putting a lot of kids in debt and they come out and they're snowflakes and they don't know how to survive in the real world and that it's – they're all coddled and it's stupid and colleges aren't doing anything good, which is kind of a, a mix, right? Like that's not coming out and saying I don't like colleges because they won't allow 
Milo to speak on campus. Like I don't I don't think I mean there is certainly the alt-right argument, but I think there's also just this kind of broader do colleges represent something that is culturally not in tune with the values that I want my kid right. to graduate with or that I would want our society to have. If kids are leaving colleges and they aren't tough and resilient and independent and they have all this debt, well, that's not good for society. And so th- I think there is a a possibility for a culturally conservative argument that is not just about like, oh, they don't have these speakers and they don't have right. free speech, but about what kind of values are the – I mean, it, like frankly, a – the, the dumb kids these days, these idiot millennials. Look, the colleges have ruined them. Like that right. could also – that could be a piece of this. Right, right. I, we did see – remember the PRI poll where they segmented white working class Trump voters or they did some modeling with those groups and, and they found that economic hardship in and of itself actually predicted whether or not white working class folks were going to be Clinton voters rather than Trump voters. But – Trump voters, you could predict who was going to be a Trump voter by economic fatalism, feeling like, you know, you, you didn't really – not necessarily that you had economic hardship right now, but that you you were unlikely to be able to move up and that a college degree was not worth it. And so there might be some element there that, you know, college simply is not enough to – get a leg up. And so, I, you know, so I don't know that you can't, it's the, from this question, you can't really tell what's driving this. Obviously this mm-hmm. is tracking and this is, you know, uh, it, it's, it's not designed to, to get the behind the scenes, but it is a really, really big shift. So we'll see if that's a blip. If it's a blip, it's probably the, like the speakers kind of conversation. And if it's, if it continues to happen, then it's probably a lot more than that. And there's a, an interesting chart that they release where they break it down, not just by party, but also by ideology. And you can see that as you might expect, It's conservative Republicans who are overwhelmingly now of the mind that colleges and universities are not good for the country. For moderate and liberal Republicans, it's it's split, but a plurality actually do say that they're positive. Um, But they're so even within, you know, within the Democrats and Republicans, there are ideological splits that look exactly like you would imagine them to with the moderates and liberals of both parties being somewhat close to each other, uh, but not exactly aligned, sort of splitting the difference between the the extremes on the outside. Yeah, yeah. And there's also a big difference by age, too, um, where you have, um, you know, the percent who say that colleges and universities have positive impact. If you look among Republicans, younger Republicans are more likely to say positive than older Republicans. So it could also just be sort of, you know, folks who are a little bit more connected to college age are more likely to say it's got a positive impact or maybe feel pressure to, you know, that that's a socially desirable response. Mm -hmm. They also did in this poll ask the same questions again about things like labor unions, banks, the news media. The news media question has also seen some big shifts in just the last two years. Now, Republicans have never loved the national news media. I mean, I remember in the 2012 primary, Newt Gingrich gaining in the polls because he went on the debate stage and slammed him for, you know, the media. Right. I forget, was it about it was John it about King? Yeah. I think I feel like it was John King. I can't remember what it was. Oh, it was about it wasn't the, the about wa- it was a it was a it was, it was a, a woman question. Thing. Yeah, and so and it was you know the argument was oh this is a question that's out of bounds and it's inappropriate and so you know and then he won South Carolina so you know the idea that Republicans don't like the media that's not new but even in the last year or two the jump has been huge back in 2010. Uh, 68% of Republicans thought that the national news media had a negative effect on things. That had increased to 85% in 
as of the most recent time that this poll was administered. For Democrats, the numbers have been a little more stable. Actually, dissatisfaction with the news media had been creeping up over the, the course of the Obama administration, but as of now has come back down, and now you have about a pretty even split among Democrats. 44% having a positive view of what the national news media's effect is on the country, 46% having a negative one. And this is, you know, it's a different kind of dimension. I mean, it, it, you know, we had we saw the trust, and trust would, you'd probably find something similar. We didn't have a party breakout, although there is one for the trust numbers or credibility numbers that we talked about earlier. But this is, you know, effect on how things are going, which is a little bit like it's external, right? So it's even, I think, easier to have a partisan viewpoint toward this than like how do you personally feel what your consumption or your own personal trust is? This is your perception of the impact. And so if you're a Trump voter, even if you find some of this stuff credible, you may say, well, this is the media is having a negative impact because it's, you know, distracting from talk about health care or what have you. Um even if you, you know, even if your own personal perceptions and relationships are a little bit different. So, so I, oh, go ahead. No, no, you go ahead. Uh, so, yeah, you have, you know, the other institutions that were tested in this poll beyond the media, beyond uh, colleges. You had churches, you know, an inst- another institution that can often be politically divisive. Um, here you have uh, folks overwhelmingly think that churches and religious institutions have a positive effect on things in the country at 59%. Um, and you wind up with uh, some differences based on education level. Uh, you wind up where folks uh, who have higher levels of education are more skeptical of religious institutions. But the divides there don't look don't look huge, actually. Um, that really, you know, it's for folks who are unaffiliated religiously that they are more likely to say that they're negative than positive. But folks who do identify with the religious tradition or um, attend religious services, even occasionally, uh, think that religious institutions have a positive effect. So, all right, well, that's a good note, I guess, to move to tipping, because I, I can't take this, everybody hates everybody. <laughs> well, no, everybody doesn't hate religious institutions. No, religious and institutions are good. People but- don't all hate it doesn't look like they all hate labor unions. No, I um, know. Even right. a third of Republicans think labor unions are positive. Yes. I bet true. all those folks voted for Trump. Yes, right. Remember, we learned that from the five different kinds of Trump voters. Yeah, Emily Eakins were. Yeah, that, you know, there were folks who, you know, wanted more. There were Trump voters who want more um, economic help and kinds of things that are a little bit different than some other, uh, what you might think about Trump voters. Um, okay, tipping. So... I had some thought. This is a tipping. This polls on tipping was by creditcards.com and conducted by Princeton Survey Research. Yes. And it, I know and sometimes this is the segment of the show where we like let our methodological standards right. <laughs> slip a little. <laughs> and and it's not that I have a methodological I don't have a methodological issue about it. I mean, I think, you know, I think this is interesting, right? How else can you find out about tipping? The median tip is 18%. Like so that, you know, tipping or at least self-reporting about tipping is creeping up. You, you see anecdotally people talking about that that, you know, was 15% of restaurants, now some people tip 20, so it makes sense that people feel like the median is around 18%. Um, and then they break out some different demographic groups about who tips better versus less well. This is self-report on who, on how much you tip. And I had a little bit of a pang when I saw that. I'm like, oh, it's going to have some very predictable things about which groups tip or don't tip and how women aren't as good tippers or African-Americans aren't as good tippers. And, you know, it, I just felt, and it has a little bit of that. And so, 
I had a bit of a pang, especially when I think about like the conversation around tipping, which this doesn't really go into at all, which is like we have this tipping culture that is very unusual to have mm-hmm. like have it be such a standard that it's written into how people are paid. And it forces a lot of people who work in the service industry to really change their behavior and accept things from customers that they would not accept because they're trying to uh, garner tips and it leads to some, you know, power inequities in the service relationship that don't need to be there. And so that's why you've seen a movement with some restaurants to say, we're getting rid of tipping. We're not doing that. So there's like a whole undercurrent and all that on tipping. And none of that's in the poll. It's not the poll's fault. This is just, you know, this is just made me think of that conversation. I would welcome a cultural shift to doing things. And I don't say this too, too often. I have no animus toward Europe, but as the conservative, I don't always, I don't always go like, yes, we should be more like Europe. This uh, is a small thing. If you have a, a powerless things. monarch that dresses yeah. fabulously, I could be okay with that, uh, <laughs> and I could also be okay as opposed with... to a powerful monarch who <laughs> dress, whose no, style is terrible. Yeah, <laughs> no power and great shoes, and I'm here for it. That's fine. <laughs> but we basically already have that. We've got you know lots of celebrities that we sort of treat as royalty mm. so yeah wouldn't bother me if it was codified yeah. uh no i'm just kidding but uh, <laughs> I, I i do think like i remember going over to europe for my honeymoon and i'm i was already anxious we landed in in france we landed in nice and it was may day like note to self don't go on a vacation to europe the day mm. that all the labor unions strike mm-hmm. like, it makes things real complicated. But mm-hmm. so we like, we, you know, we're walking around like we've, we've got like our little bit of, you know, euros that we took out at the ATM at the airport. And we go and we sit down at a little restaurant and I'm trying not to be the ugly American. And I want to like speak French, even though it's going to be broken and horrible. And I'm hoping because we're not in Paris, they won't judge me too much for it being broken and horrible. But I'm trying. And then at the end of the meal, like, you know, the like we're kind of like getting the check. And the guy comes out with a little handheld credit card thing. And I'm like, oh, wait a minute. So do I have to, like, verbally tell him, like, oh, can you add 20%? Like, what am I supposed to do? Like, normally you just hand them the card and they sketchily take it away. And then they bring it back and you just write something on the little slip and you leave. And that's – do you have to tell this guy, like, oh, can you add 20%? You've done an excellent job, monsieur. This feels super awkward. And then it was like – I'm like Google – I'm like (laughs) using – like, I, you know, I bought like a little bit of data. I'm using all of it in the first like 20 minutes of my honeymoon to be like, (laughs) what are tipping procedures in France? And it's like, no, you don't – you don't have to. You're good. Right. Just let him run your card. It's fine. Right. And I was like, oh. Right. Okay. There's a, it's, you know, there's some advantage to that. And, you know, it, 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 so, so that's what I thought of when I thought of this, these tipping results when they have like men and Northeasterners and, you know, white Americans all tip better. People who tip by credit card all tip more than, you know, people who pay by cash or Democrats or women and non-whites. Like I just had a, I had a bit of a pang. It's like it, it, because sometimes those are also groups that may have a little bit less cash to spend when they go out or they have lower bill rates. Anyway, I, I just think we could use this poll as an interesting insight and also a moment to reflect on whether having this tip culture is smart. Is it really, is it really, and the end goal, the end outcome, do you get better service? You know, it's better for employees. Well, and there's a know. whole lot of things now where you pay via an app and, like Starbucks, I think briefly had a way for you to tip via the app, but I think that's gone. I've been in Ubers before where they will have signs up that are like, "Hey, there's no tip included. You should tip me." I'm like, "Oh, I feel really uncomfortable about this." Yeah, I wish because I don't have any cash on me. Is there a way I can do this through the app? So, 
the world of technology has further complicated matters. Yeah, right. But maybe it, you know, maybe it makes the relationship a little bit more straightforward. So, mm-hmm. so those are just some some thoughts as we go into your summer, your summer holidays and summer vacations. And you know, you can think about whether or not you need to be tipping as opposed to using your phone anxiously just right as the check comes. Um, <laughs> okay, so key findings. Polls show cursing is A-OK in New Jersey. Chris Christie, not so much. Breaking, nobody likes anybody. And, but we like each other. But we, we like, like each other. That's right. And we like you guys. And one can't even hide out in colleges anymore. And our summer tip, always tip your server or get rid of tips altogether. You can find us on Twitter at at the pollsters, individually at at Margie O'Mero and at Casoltis Anderson. You can find us on Facebook where we post links throughout the week to the stories that we think are interesting and might want to talk about on an upcoming show. We also have www.thepollsters.com with links to all of the fabulous polling resources that we have curated together for you all. Make sure that you like us. Make sure that you subscribe. Make sure you leave a review. Make sure that you tell your friends. We always love to get new listeners. Be sure to tweet at us. Let us know what you think, and we'll talk to you next week. We respond sometimes. Take care.